Seek and Destroy, as always, this is Ian Trottier for Discussions of Truth. Today we're opening up two hours prior to the 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only because the second hour we'll be hosting Bandy Lee, Dr. Bandy Lee, that's Bandy X. Lee of uh, Yale University, should be talking about uh, the, uh, we'll be talking about um, uh, the curious case, uh, the dangerous case, rather, for Donald Trump, this will be here. Technically, third time joining in the program, but it will be uh, her second uh, officially. Um, we'll be starting well, and at the five o'clock hour, we'll be having Gerald Posner, three times, uh, three-time uh, New York Times best-selling author. We'll be talking about his latest book, Pharma. Uh, that is pharmaceutical industry lies, greed, the poisoning of uh, the American people. Um, that's not the official title, but uh, but that is the title, uh, more or less, and uh, that will be the discussion here heading into um, heading into the five o'clock hour, which is the regular slotted hour for uh, for this discussion uh, of truth that takes place. We will next week uh, be hosting uh, uh, Temple Grandin, who has overcome autism to achieve uh, an illustrious uh, academic career, more or less, for someone who has autism. Uh, she does have a doctor, and she currently works at uh, Colorado State. Um, and we'll be opening up next week with Mary Hennon and Dr. Michael Hall again. They will be discussing the Dr. Fauci situation nationally regarding um, the coronavirus. We're going to start today with... Um, with uh, with the protests, of course, uh, these ridiculous protests that are that are uh, going on. This is the eighth day now nationally uh, for them, um, and we'll be bringing in uh, Brian Knowles and J.P. Lindstroth uh, for this. So let's uh, let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and right now, without any further ado, bring in Brian Knowles uh, and uh, and a phone, phoning in Brian right now, and then we'll bring in JP. Again, this is Ian Truche for discussions of truth. Uh, phoning Brian Knowles right now. So this is the right number for him. You've reached the voicemail box of Brian O. Okay, so uh, he did not answer that a call. Uh, here we go. We've got a different number for him. Uh, bringing in Brian Knowles right now. Uh, school District of Palm Beach County, uh, African American Studies. Bringing in Brian Knowles. We got to put him on hold, and then uh, and then and tether in JP Lindstra uh, after we get a hold of Brian. Wait for that. Uh, 
Oh, okay. Let's see here. Okay. Um, let's see here. Bring him in via Skype, actually. Okay, hold on. You know what we're going to do here is, uh, let's see here. See if we can actually add. Hold on a second. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Let's see if we can bring in Brian via Skype. Hello? Yes, Brian, Ian Trotje here, Discussion of Truth. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, let me uh, take a moment. I'm going to put you on pause, and uh, we're going to bring we're going to tie in JP. If you just hold on a moment. Uh, no problem. Thank you, man. Brian, uh, I'm gonna hang up on you, and I'm gonna call you back. Pardon, pardon the. Uh, okay. Pardon, pardon this. Nah, no problem. No problem. Okay, again, just trying to tie in these uh, these loose ends here. This is Ian Trache for Discussions of Truth. Um, and uh, so to give you the, the background here, the signal is faint. So I'm actually on a Wi-Fi connection. So what I'm doing here is communicating with JP. Uh, and uh, JP will be contacting Brian. And then I will thread. Uh, once the two of them are connected, I will then bring in... Uh, bring in JP. Uh, that uh, again, and, and this is your first time uh, listening to the program. Uh, JP Lindstroff uh, is a former Fulbright scholar to Brazil. He's got a PhD from Oxford. Brian Knowles is uh, the head of African American Studies. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and uh, and see if this works here.
JP, can you hear me? Yes. Um, I don't think my phone allows for double calls, Ian. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. Um, let let me then call Brian back since since he's got you, the two of you. Let me see if that'll work. Okay. Can you do it like with your phone like you are now, or do you want me to hang up with you now? Yeah. So Brian Brian can't he can't hear this. He can't. No. Okay. Um, so I'll hang up on you, and then I'll try to I'll I'll try to plug in Brian from where I'm at and see if that okay. see if that works. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can follow me at iantrache.com. I don't edit any of this, so in the replay, um, you'll 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 be getting all this technical uh, workaround. But I apologize for that. It makes it more real, I suppose, doesn't it? Okay, so uh, Brian Knowles, let's see if this works here. Hello? Brian, it's Ian Trottier again. Uh, do you have two-way? Is JP with you at the moment? He, he was, but he hung up on me, man. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was with, with me for a second, Danny. I got hung up on Okay. All right. Uh, let me let me try this again here. All right, just just stand by here. Uh, I, 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 okay. Let's see. No problem. No problem. This should work. Hello? JP there. Hey. Brian, can you hear us? Yeah, All right, so I get... Oh, fantastic. All right. Uh, Brian, welcome to Discussion of Truth. Uh, as mentioned, this is host Ian Hamilton-Trachier. Um, it's, it's, it's very nice of you to uh, join us. JP has been joining the program now for uh, probably close to three years, I suppose, JP. And JP, thank you for coordinating this as... As listeners are listening to this, uh, what we do know at the moment is we have transitioned from a, a international uh, health crisis to a very urgent uh, domestic crisis. That really, uh, we can go back to Rosa Parks. We can we can talk about the efforts from Martin Luther King. Uh, one thing that sticks out in my mind is Rodney King. And the malicious uh, beating of, of that man in, in Los Angeles, I think it was in the early 90s. Uh, but we've still got this mass, uh, massive issue facing this country even after the beautiful presidency of the very diplomatic and professional Barack Obama. Uh, we have, again, this, this massive crisis facing the country, uh, regardless of the major city that, uh, that we are in. So... JP, I appreciate you uh, reaching out to uh, to to discuss this issue uh, and uh, and inviting Brian and Brian. Thank you for uh, thank you for for accepting the invitation to join us. Um, uh, I have personally reached out to to uh, some other uh, high profile folks, uh, but because of the short notice uh, and and scheduling, uh, we were unable to include others in this. But I think we've got a nice. Uh, a small panel here to make a, a, a nice discussion uh, uh, of this topic. Uh, JP, listeners uh, are familiar with, with what you do and what your work is. 
again, JP's got a, uh, a, a PhD from Oxford. He's a former Fulbright scholar to Brazil. Uh, he writes extensively on human rights. Uh, and uh, Brian, would you please take a moment and uh, introduce yourself for listeners? Tell, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yes, um, so thank you for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to join. I know it was last minute, um, but I definitely cleared my schedule submit to make sure I'm part of this conversation, which is critical based on everything that's taking place right now. Um, my name is Brian Knowles again. Um, currently, I'm the manager of the school district's office of African, African-American, Latino, Holocaust, and Gender Studies. Um, and what that job entails is that we provide curriculum and instructional materials to teachers around those subject areas. Um, in addition to our work, and I assist the district with developing po policy um, around issues of multicultural education and also diversity and equity. Um, so, matter of fact, our school district is one of the few school districts in the state of Florida that has an equity policy, uh, which addresses issues around systemic racism, um, et cetera. And um, I was the one who was critical and key um, in helping write that policy. Um, in addition to that, we make sure that we help support our teachers by providing professional development modules around teaching students of color, understanding, you know, the, the variables such as like culture in the classroom and how that influences learning and making sure that teachers are what we call culturally competent to address the needs um, of a diverse student demographic here in Palm Beach County. Um, out of almost close to 200,000 students, 64% of them, um, and sometimes that number fluctuates, um, either black and brown, Latino, Hispanic, uh, or students who come from the African diaspora. When I say African diaspora, we're talking about the diversity um, of our black population here in Palm Beach County. Fantastic. So well said. Encompasses and it tells a little bit of what I do. So, Thank you, Brian. Uh, JP, did, uh, did the article get picked up by Counterpunch? Can, can listeners read, find that article at Counterpunch? Not yet. I mean, sometimes they don't publish until uh, Friday, Ian. Uh, I just wrote another one um, called Malcolm or MLK about kind of the influence of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., which, um, you know, Mr. Knowles, uh, Brian's more of an expert than I am, but I um, felt kind of compelled to also write about those civil rights leaders and icons in relation to what happened with the George Floyd murder. Um, and, and, and I don't want to like overspeak, but I, I just think that a lot of these issues can go all the way back at least to the civil war and before, obviously. And I think that in many ways, um, people are still fighting the civil war today. Um, just because that in 55 years since, or 56 years since the, Civil Rights Act in 1964, not a lot has changed as far as inequalities, unemployment, uh, unequal education, and uh, police targeting of the African-American community. Okay, yeah, well said. We've got, I mean, we, we certainly have various cases of deliberate uh, uh, suppression of African Americans, we can even we can look at. I, I'm, I'm thinking about one of my early childhood friends, and we still remain in contact. And he, uh, his his parents are from Alabama, and they they are black as black. And he was one of my best friends growing up. Uh, we still remain in contact, and 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 he's researched the Tuskegee Airmen and 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 what happened there with the the with with the the various testing. 
Um, but we've got, and I think this is critical, JP, you were adamant about uh, wanting to invite uh, someone who identifies and represents that African-American community that has, that has gone through those struggles. I would assume that is you, Brian. Um, Brian, JP talks about uh, you know, a, a civil war on, on various levels. JP, of course, and not my myself. We 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 don't have uh, direct African heritage, uh, uh, so we, we are unable to speak from that viewpoint. So this is where this is where you get the spotlight here, Brian. Um, in in your experience and what you understand is going on in this country, is this a type of civil war? What is happening? This is a major crisis. Uh, please fill listeners in as to what you view is going on here. Oh, how I view things that are going on, and, and I can do my best to articulate the voice of the black community because I can't represent all, all black people um, in every viewpoint. Um, but I can articulate, definitely articulate my perspective as an individual black man um, to probably even speak to the collective. Um, and do I see this as a table civil war? Um, to some, ex some extent, so some of the variables that took place during the Civil War, as far as, you know, you're talking about states and, you know, making sure that we prevent the spread of slavery and industrialism and all those different factors that came into play during the Civil War. Um, but there is a common thread here um, from the Civil War to now, because one of the things, you know, that, that JP did mention is that some people feel like they're still fighting the Civil War, because I don't think some, you know, as some people, when I say some people, Primarily, the white supremacist sentiment and attitude is conceded to the Civil War because that was what the Civil War was really truly fought on, um, on the basis of preserving and perpetuating white supremacy. Um, so, yes, we're still fighting that, that battle, um, even though we've had legislation, you know, throughout the Civil Rights Movement, um, and even subsequent, that have broke down some barriers. But you also have legislation that is still in place and systems that are still in place um, that perpetuate white supremacy and also upheld white supremacy um, and racism. So, and racism and white supremacy are definitely things that are synonymous. Um, so, yes, we are fighting a, a civil war because we're still fighting to dismantle the remnants in the existence of white supremacy. Yeah, which really appalls me uh, because, like I, like I said, one of my early uh, very, very close friends who, we, who I still remain in contact is is a black man and uh, was and received an actual name, an African name. That's his first name. It's a, is an African name. Uh, so this this type of thing it does appall me that this is really going on. And we've got Minneapolis. So George Floyd, not knowing his background, I think he had roots to Houston. Uh, so he may have grown up in Texas. So either one of you can correct me if if, if I'm wrong there. Um, so it, 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 Minneapolis is 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 this a is this is this an institutional uh, issue? Whereas there is prevalent racism across the country in these uh, policing institutions, are we able to isolate it and say that there is a there is a, a, a how do you view that? And again, JPL, I want to get to you as well, but 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 I want to as Brian is saying on this. Well, how is your view? Is this a is this a people versus police? How do you view how do you view that if we're able to if we're able to cat categorize this as saying yes there's elements of the civil war that are still continuing it's a civil right civil rights war um, it, that that still prevails 
uh, decades after 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 the, the, the assassination of Martin Luther King, um, uh, how are, are, is this a is this a police department issue or how are you viewing this, uh, uh, Brian? Yeah, yeah, I mean, and sometimes we see civil rights um, issue. It's a human rights issue. Um, as it's, you know, it's a, it's a larger issue, um, and I don't view it as as people versus the police departments. Um, it's more versus people that versus white supremacy and white supremacy is just playing itself out through the police um but it's a systemic issue that we're fighting against um it's not about individual police officers um it may appear that way because what happens is the media treats things and they're looking more at the symptoms versus the sickness and the sickness is white supremacy the sickness is racism um and we're looking at how things play out so we're looking at battles and confrontations between people and police officers and sometimes even the media kind of portrays and kind of focuses in on the looting. And, and, and I don't like to call riots, I like to call rebellions, because some people are striking back at these systems of white supremacy the only way that they know how. Um, so it just depends on perspective um, and, 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 and how perspective narratives, I'm going to say. Not perspectives, but narratives and how it's presented. It's presented, yes, it's, it's people against police officers. But no, I think it's, it's people versus white supremacy that is translated and being played out through our law enforcement system. We go from the presidency of Barack Obama, uh, cherished by many, uh, as I mentioned, in my view, incredibly diplomatic and professional in how he carried himself and how he carried and represented the people and carried the office that represents the republic. Uh, how do we go from a man like that, of course, representing uh, two ethnicities and races in that sense, uh, the human race, of course, but, but his mother being white, the, uh, the father being uh, from Africa. Um, so he's representing those two sides. Um, but how do we go from that where we look at the epitome of perhaps what one can uh, achieve academically um, on, on various levels, and then the epitome of what one can achieve uh, politically, at least in the United States, we go from that to what we've got here with uh, with Donald Trump, uh, which certainly doesn't. You know, he's got his degree from Wharton. That's arguable, um, and uh, and you know, he's certainly representing an elite. Not only white, he's not only representing white people. It's hard to argue that he represents white people across the board. He's not representing black people in that sense because he's he's an elite. Uh, uh, wealthy uh, uh, white American, but how do we how do we go from from Obama to Trump? Um, in in your view, uh, JP, I, I just, can I just stop, like um, interrupt a little bit? I just want to follow up with uh, what Brian said, and I, I really appreciate his perspective. Um, but before we get into like Obama versus Trump, I think we really need to elaborate on what Brian said and. Um, I think also what he's talking about uh, is a systemic, it's a, it's a systems problem. It's, not, it's a systemic issue for the whole of society, not just police issue, not just policing. It's a systemic issue in society. And what, and Cornell West, who yeah. is now back at Harvard, he was at Princeton. Cornell West is a prominent African American intellectual. Um, just like to quote with one of the things that he, he said recently in an opinion piece, he said that, and this is what he's talking about, a systemic issue in relation to the United States, that any society that refuses to eliminate or attenuate dilapidated housing, crepid school systems, mass incarceration, massive unemployment and underemployment, inadequate health care, 
and its violations of rights and liberties is undesirable and unsustainable. And I think what we're watching here with these protests, and, it's, and it is uh, a white supremacy and it is race is against racism, but it's a, it's, a, it's a corrupt system, Ian, and it's a breakdown of the system. And the way that it's set up socioeconomically um, against African-Americans, but also against a lot of people that, that you know, if we're, if we're electing millionaires and billionaires, we're not um, addressing health care issues. We're not addressing a lot of disparities in, within society. So, um, you know, I think that that needs to be said. And I think that that people are beginning to recognize that this is a systemic issue. But I'll go ahead and let... Uh, Brian, talk about the Obama versus Trump era. Or, or Brian, if you don't want to address that, you can pick off from where JP just, whatever you want. Yeah, I'm going to try to take both, and, and I try to be very careful of really expressing, you know, because of my position of expressing my political views. Um, but one thing I'm going to say is that, you know, definitely JP, um, that we're looking at systemic issues play out. Um, Sometimes we need to kind of shift how we see racism, how we see um, prejudice and discrimination and racism itself is not being just individual attitudes and is not confined within certain boxes like police officers, for example. S racism right. is something that's structured, something, is, something that is within, it's systemic. Uh, racism is something that has barriers, there's obstacles that are being constructed to benefit one group of people and also be disadvantageous to another group of, of, of people. Um, so if it was Obama and we did, you know, we do see a sharp contrast in leadership styles between Donald Trump and also President Barack Obama. Um, but both parties still represent and stood at the, at, at the top of a whole lot of systems where racism was built in. And we have still not addressed, regardless of who's at leadership and who's in that chair, um, those same systems are very much alive. Um, and that's what we need to start really focusing on, you know, this dismantling those systems um, of racism and not our individual attitudes and mindsets towards racism, but where racism is embedded within our systems. JP, go ahead. Yeah, I would, yeah I'd like to um, follow up with that. And I, what Brian is getting at, and I, I don't want to uh, obviously put a word with he, what he's saying, but just enhance it because as a social and cultural anthropologist, I've written a lot about structural violence, and I write about it in relation to mostly the indigenous people that I studied in Brazil, but also other people, even Guatemala and Mayas, who experienced racism in South Florida. And what, what, we're, what we're getting at and what Brian's getting at here, there's structures in society that are perpetuating violence in a lot of ways because you can't, if you can't get the proper job or you can't get the proper education right. or, you know, you're, you're not getting the housing that you really want and should have. That's, those are structures of violence. That's structural violence is what we call it. And, you know, you can look at theorists like Pierre Bourdieu or Nancy Shepard Hughes, but those, that's what Brian's talking about. These are structures in society that need to be dismantled that are barriers of preventing, you know, Whatever group, whatever, you know, if it's an ethnic minority or even with a different sexual identity, uh, are not able to participate in society in a, in a normal way, have a normal life, or, or preventing targeting or by the police or whatever it is.
Um, and that's really why I think that both of us are calling this a systemic, systemic issue. So Lawrence Steve Bobo, who chairs the W.E. Du Bois uh, uh, Social Science at, at, at Harvard, has recently published a graph. And that graph shows, I'm um, looking at it right now, since 1975, a relative to what he's saying, inequality is due to lower ability among blacks, and, and, and that, that line uh, decreasing in, in the past 40 years. Uh, he says the other line, inequality is due to lower motivation among blacks, that line remaining fairly steady. And again, uh, listeners can find that. It's an interview with, that the Harvard Gazette had with uh, Lawrence D. Bobo recently in regards to uh, his research on uh, social sciences in black communities. So if we're relating what I think is being addressed here as a socioeconomic, maybe, maybe not necessarily a race issue, but a socioeconomic issue, and that uh, and, and that communities like the more impoverished black communities, because uh, like we're saying, Barack Obama was able to pick himself up, uh, is it harder for anyone, regardless of race, in a suppressed socioeconomic arena to, uh, to gain traction in life? Is, is, is that what I'm hearing? Um, let me just say this, and then I'll let Brian go. But if you don't have shoes, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Number one. Number two, um, if you look at the statistics, black people are three times more likely to be killed by the police than white people. Wow. And and I, you can go through all these statistics. Yeah. You can look at COVID-19 and the disproportionate way that um, that disease alone and the health disparities because people in lower socioeconomic status couldn't stay home. But sure. there's a whole range of issues, and I'll let Brian discuss it. Go ahead, Brian. No, no, you definitely hit it. You know, uh, we talk about gaining traction and lifting yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, and I'm going to use some historical reference um, to kind of respond to this question um, <clears throat> as far as how structural racism and systemic racism exist. Um, that, yes, some of us as, as black people, we gain some traction, but even the traction that we gain is never on the equal footing of, of our white counterparts um, in no, no shape, form, or fashion. And also in, in historical references, when there have been so, there have been examples in the past when blacks have been able to navigate through, through structural racism and being able to navigate and create our own self-sustaining communities which have been destroyed. Um, there has been times, and there are so many examples when, you know, there is, you know, a lot of conservative talk that says about lift yourself up by your bootstrap. When we lift ourselves up by our bootstrap, and you take the boot from us. Um, so, we, you know, we, those examples would be, you know, we're always reliving history, but, you know, we look at 1921, actually two days ago, was the 99th year anniversary of Black Wall Street, um, of the massacre of, of Black Wall Street, or the Greenwood Massacre, or the Tulsa, what they used to call the Tulsa riots, but it wasn't a riot, it was a complete massacre, where you see successful black communities who have figured out ways to navigate, figured out ways to be self-sustaining and self-sufficient, but were still destroyed. When their doors were, when whites crossed the line and still came in over, unprovoked, 
and destroyed what we had. Rosewood, Florida is another example of that. Wilmington, um, North Carolina, another example of that. And there were so many other black Wall Streets that their narratives and their stories have not been told. Um, so we understand how ugly and how racism how exists everywhere um, through our history and everywhere in our system. And that's why we can fast forward back to today, how we continue to relive in history is, you know, we, yes, we're looking at white supremacy and we're looking at racism translate through our police departments, but is the police the issue? It's the structures that's the issue. JP, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that's, Spot on. I mean, it's absolutely correct that, you know, you had self-sufficient African-American communities that were completely massacred. Uh, I think it's called Rosewood in Florida was also, I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, and, and so, and I, and bring back to historical figures like Booker T. Washington versus W.B. Du Bois, and Brian very much knows that historical debate between them, but you know, Booker T. Washington was the guy at the turn of the 20th century who wanted to make African-Americans more self-sufficient because he knew what slavery was. Where, whereas Du Bois grew up, you know, in the northern and up north, didn't have that same experience. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but believed that African-Americans should have civil rights right away. So, and, there, and like you said, there's so many... Uh, egregious examples of, um, you know, that that self-sufficiency being taken away or being undermined or, I mean, and it's just generations and generations through Jim Crow or the Black Codes and 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 as many ways that slavery continued after the Civil War, after Reconstruction, through sharecropping in the South through the chain gangs in the South and through Jim Crow, which was not only in the South, but throughout the United States. So, All right. So, so let's, um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. Well, I was just going to shift gears, but I think, but I think you've, you've got, you've got something valid here. Go ahead. No, I would just, you know, just definitely going to echo the same thing that, um, that John just expressed, um, you know, that, you know, it, when whenever we try to to make progress as as black people in this country, um, that the rules always change on us, and and white supremacy always makes sure that it makes makes itself known uh, to inhibit our success. You know, um, you know, which kind of dispels and completely dismantles that whole concept and philosophy of lift yourself up by your bootstrap, uh, which I do understand, and I do understand about making choices and working hard and so forth, but yet. There are so many barriers that are so entrenched within our systems uh, here in this country um, that inhibit us from moving forward. And even when we find ways that, to, to navigate and move around those systems and those barriers and find our success, you know, racism plays out in another shape, form, or fashion, uh, which is the ultimate and the most deadliest way, the most fatal way, is that, you know, completely just it massacres us. So, of course, we're talking on a on a small independent platform. This is not not mass media, and 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 and, and of course, the show airs on on one domain that says stop mass media. And, and we talked about the narratives that get run through mass media. So, can we then shift gear and imply uh, or, or or talk about Antifa? So, there's there's been there's been various reports of 
uh, bricks being staged and this anti-fascist group uh, that I think I think has a, uh, a more of its U.S. roots because I think this is something from Germany that in the, from the eighties that went into the U.K. and and, and came into the U.S. Uh, at least what I'm reading online uh, in in the past fifteen years um, is this are these are these reports that Antifa is directly involved in stoking these fires? Are you are either one of you? Are you seeing that this? This is valid. Is 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 this anti-fascist group that deliberately tries to provoke violence? Um, is 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 this a reality? Yeah, and I think it's smoke and mirrors. Okay, I think that's a way of cover for people who want to, you know, maintain the white supremacist narrative. Okay, so if you look at what happened in Charleston. The police just stood around, and I'm talking about Charleston, Virginia, uh, and they had all the white supremacists there, and, you know, and not to get political, but, you know, you know who talks about, like, getting through the smoke and mirrors was Malcolm X, and I'm sorry to probably talk more about this, but it really was Malcolm X who was the voice, like, to get through the nonsense, you know, and I think that the whole Antifa discussion is nonsense to me. That's my personal perspective, but from what I've read, I mean, I just think that smoke and mirrors. Brian, go for it. What and What I'm is... Not, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. No, you were saying? No, <laughs> I was just going to ask you, what is the nonsense? What, what, it hit to, what, what's, what's going on in, in regards to the smoke and mirrors from, from your view? Um, uh, my, my, my viewpoint is this, and, and one, of my, one of my boys kind of posted something on social media right today, and it was kind of... Uh, comedic in a way, but also reality in a way, and it kind of goes back to a film, right? Spike Lee uh, created a film back in, I think, like, 89 or something like that called Do the Right Thing. Sure. Right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and we, at the end of the film, um, there was a part about a character, Mookie, um, played by Spike Lee when he threw um, a garbage can through the window of the pizzeria styles that he worked at, right? And we always were left like, why did he do that? You Extra know, cheese, 50 saying? cents. But yeah, we, Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we kind of forget the whole thing of like, why was Radio Raheem killed, right? That was what the meme that he put on, on Facebook. So when we talk about smoke and mirrors, we're talking about the violence, we're looking at the looting, we're looking at what they call, what they're labeling writing. Uh, we're looking at these, all these staging of bricks and all this kind of stuff to distract us from the issue. What is the issue that we're, we're fighting for here? What is the issue that what created all of this? What is the what is the sickness? What is the root cause? Uh, we're always looking at symptoms of a sickness, but we're never addressing the sickness. You know, all of this kind of took place and kind of spiraled completely out of control because yet we're still dealing with the same issue. And I don't want to keep saying this word, um, but saying this phrase, white supremacy, racism, that we're continually trying to fight within our systems and structures um, that is completely playing itself out because you know what's going to happen if we don't, treat the sickness, we're going to see this illness play itself out again. Um, give it a year or two. Matter of fact, next week, next month, we're going to see the same thing happen. It is until we treat and address the actual issue itself and not the symptoms of the issue um, that we're not going to see any, any real change happen. So, yes, the media and all the narratives are going to be controlled to create these smoke and mirrors, and we're examining all of these distractions that surround the actual issue. JT. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it, Ian. I mean, the Antifa thing is played up because 
there was too much attention um, put on looting, and there was too much attention put on this Antifa stuff. And I want to get political with the president, but that was that. And the National Security Advisor O'Neill said it was bad apple cops. It was. It's just not bad apple cops. It's a systemic thing. And like 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 Brian just said, um, it'll happen again if we don't address these these issues. And um, you know, uh, Martin Luther King also said that looting was the way the the voiceless gets to express because it's really difficult to fight this white supremacy and racism, and and so, but most of the most of the demonstrations were peaceful, and I think that um, I think that people just want this like whole systemic change. It's not just the policing. And, and the reason why um, I brought up the whole smoke and mirrors thing is because, you know, what, going back to Noam Chomsky about manufactured consent, the media can manufacture a narrative and shove it to the public and make the public accept it. And it's not necessarily a true narrative or it's not necessarily a critically thought out narrative. Right. And. You know, voices like Cornell West and other people like who are real intellectuals who really think about these issues kind of get drowned out sometimes. So that's what I would say about that. So we've got, you know, we've got one of the prominent uh, African-American music groups, the early kind of these early rappers, uh, N.W.A. Uh, and they've got, you know, they're one of their famous songs is F the Police. And, you know, that's that's back in the 80s, I think it was, um, is and so certainly from the African-American community, you know, we've already kind of addressed this, uh, you know, given boots, and then those boots in many cases uh, are, are taken away. Um, so is, is this root, if we're, able to, if we're able to identify a root uh, here, is, is the root race or is it social economics? Brian, what do you think? No, it's, 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 I, I think it's race. You know, yeah, because okay. even among, if you kind of start dividing Americans into classes, right? We say we look at poor, we look at the middle class, we look at the rich, right? Whatever class that we fall in as a middle class African American or black person, um, or even a poor black person, that we're still disadvantaged to our white counterparts in each class, which in within each class, you know, wealthy or, or, or wealthy black people are still lagging behind other wealthy yeah. white people. Um, so it's it's very you know if we start you know really digging into history and John can you know is is um, has a, a strong expertise in history um, is that socioeconomics is a result of policies you know what I'm saying that have been instituted that have been predicated on race you know and when you look at our history in America um, from colonial America all the way through the foundations of America after the Revolutionary War fast forward into now. There has been very specific policy that was been put in place and created by our government that has called out race in it. You know, as a white man, I can own land. And as a black person, I can't live here. I can't own here. I can't get right. a loan because I'm black. I can't go to this school because I'm black. Um, so it's been explicitly spelled out using race. Matter of fact, race itself, the whole concept, the social, social construct that we know as race has been something that was created as a result at the very beginning and an inception of this country to benefit white people. 
So, yes, socioeconomics is a factor, but race is really the bottom line, and socioeconomics is a result of racist policies. So I can't personally imagine stopping my foot in some guy's throat and him screaming at me, I can't breathe, and just ignoring him and, of course, causing death. I, 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 regardless of the color of that person, just being a human being, I can't even fathom that act uh, of me personally doing that. I mean, it, the guys can't even defend himself, and you're suffocating him, uh, unfortunately, to death. So, JP, let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about uh, change and how we can how we can uh, change moving forward. Uh, uh, you know, regardless, of, like you say, regardless of how you fall politically, uh, we've got we've got a uh, commander in chief. Uh, just so happens that Dr. Bandy Lee will be joining us uh, coming up here in about uh, uh, fifteen minutes. I'll, I'll, we'll have to cut short here with, with with the two of you. But she's written a book. Uh, that, that perhaps the two of you may be familiar with. It's called The Dangerous Case of, of Donald Trump. She happens to be uh, Asian-American uh, from, from uh, I think she was born in Brooklyn, uh, somewhere in New York, and, uh, and, and she's a psychiatrist uh, by training. Uh, she just says that this commander-in-chief that we have is, uh, is uh, mentally uh, unstable and incompetent of, of directing a nation. Well, we're stuck with him. We're at least stuck with him for a few months, for more months. So how do we, how do we change uh, moving forward, and certainly regardless of who, who becomes the next president of the union, if we can keep it together peacefully, uh, it, keeping it together seems like it's, you know, unfortunately I'm saying that, but we've got issues here. Um, how, do we, how, do we, how do we change moving forward? Let's start with JP, and then I want to hand it off to, to Brian. How do, we, how do we change moving forward? Well, several things. I mean, um, first of all, you... Federally, at the federal level, regulate policing, um, and uh, you know, you you know, you, you they don't need to be as militarized as they are, Brian. Number one, I mean, Ian, yeah. number one. Yep. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole there's a whole list of things that need to be addressed. Um, Cornell West talks about a fair distribution of wealth. Um, you know, having having um, the ability to not uh, be discriminated um, in housing and, and, and education and other things, these things were addressed, you know, 55 years ago, 56 years ago. LBJ also had a war on poverty. I mean, I don't think there's not going to be really much of a change until the next presidency, if there's a change in the presidency, but we can't wait that long really i mean uh will there be enough pressure put on the u.s congress to to do certain things in society where uh you know the, the whole role of policing changes um my cousin just retired from the minneapolis police force uh and he's native american adopted and um I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to discuss there, and it would really take more than a couple minutes. I really want Brian to chime in, but I, um, you know, Sam Cook had a song that change is going to come, um, and whether whether the powers that be like it or not, uh, the system is untenable the way it is because uh, I just I don't I think it's very fragile, and I think obviously our democracy is very fragile. Right. If, if the status quo tries to continue, and I don't think that it can. And before you before you speak, Brian, I yeah, I, I want to insert: uh, is the is the democracy even working? 
what needs to change in that regard um, to 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 root out, as you'd mentioned, JP, some of this corruption that's uh, fairly deep in 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 this system. Brian, take it away. I'm 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 going to try to make sense here because I have so many emotions as far as how do we move forward and so many thoughts and sentiments, right? But I'm going to start out at the most basic um, sentiments. How do we move forward? First thing we need to do, um, and a lot of people don't understand it implicitly that we have done this, and subconsciously we did that that we've done something to the humanity of Black people in this country that we have not even recognized it and identified it, even validated our humanity in this country. Um, so we need to start there, first of all. Um, when I say validating in, in our humanity, we're not even, you know, when you talk about the classification of race, of, of race, that even back in that classification, when they start placing labels on people, that we weren't even placed on that label at, on an equal footing as a human being, first of all. We were some kind of subspecies yeah. of human being. Yeah. So therefore, subconsciously, we're still living with that. Uh, we're still living with it that a police officer can just sit on the neck of someone without with, without no retribution and without just sitting there emotionally. You know, I, last time I got in a fight, I may have been like 15 years old, and I hit a kid in the, in, in, in the face, and, and I saw him hurt. That bothered me, and I mm-hmm. went to apologize almost immediately that I can do that to another human being. So our very humanity has to be validated. We're demonized, especially as black men in this country. We've been completely demonized. If you go back to the history of lynchings and so forth and really look at the root causes of why those took place and what took place during the lynching and just the dehumanization right there, we're completely demonized. Uh, We're always generalized um, in media through perception. And it's even taught in our schools that our humanity is not even validated in our curriculum. So we're talking about police violence, but look at the curriculum violence that is taking place in our schools uh, when it comes to, to, to black lives that we're not even teaching to it. Right now, when, when we scream black lives matter, then you have a counterpart that wants to say all lives matter, blue lives matter. And me saying black lives matter does not take away from any other life. Um, just if I say I love black children, I love black people, does not mean I hate you. That's not what I mean. Um, so back to my original point, is that we need to start through the basic validation and just identifying just our equality and just our presence within humanity, which has never been validated um, throughout history and throughout in our society. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. It, it, and it almost brings tears to my eyes because you look at the contributions from African-American, uh, well, Americans, if you will, uh, some of the greatest athletes, uh, you know, Michael Jordan. I mean, Ma- uh, 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 Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. Uh, it goes on and on. You're looking at the contributions, uh, and he's in that, even scholastically, as you're mentioning, Cornell West, uh, JP. Uh, it brings tears to my eyes that this type of behavior uh, continues uh, continues to plague the progress. Of this country, I want to go. Uh, I want to go, JP, and then Brian. Uh, go ahead. Just real quick, I just want to say one thing. I don't mean to cut you off. And you know, you, you did mention our contributions through through entertainment, through sports, and all that is amazing. And also, even some of our scholastic contributions. Um, but when we start having those conversations about contributions of Black people and people of the African diaspora overall, our contributions are far fetched to the very beginning of civilization. Um, we're well talking said. about contributions to science, medicine. Um, you know, right now I can get a blood transfusion because who? It's a black man who did that. Matter of fact, 
Um, we wow. look at just the architecture, you know, we're talking about architects of the pyramids. You know, those were, were black people who did that. Those weren't Hebrew and slave Hebrew. Right. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, let's, let's take some baser right now, have my lights on. Yes, Thomas Edison helped develop that. But yes, the filament of the light bulb was a black man named Louis Latimer. And that list can go on where, you know, we... Mm-hmm need to celebrate the contributions of black people along with white people yep, yep, as, sure. as well. Whenever I go into schools and I teach that these contributions and the list is extensive of the contributions and also the things that originated from black people that we enjoy every day and that we have every day in our life. Um, and I'm not trying to take away from anything that European people have contributed or Asian people or Hispanic Latino people. We're talking about how we come to us, our, our, our society yep. and civilization, it came into existence through the amalgamation and in the contributions of all people, and specifically in this space is that we're talking about black people. Yeah, beautifully said, Brian. Uh, thanks for bringing, bringing that up. Uh, JP, uh, some closing closing comments, uh, uh, comments from you, and you know we may need to make this a part two. Let's let's give this uh, you know a little bit of time uh, because uh, we're I think I feel like I feel like we're just just kind of starting heating up, and unfortunately I've got to, I've got to close out. But uh, JP, some closing comments from you, and, and then Brian, some closing comments from you, sir. Yeah, I'll be quick, and I, I want Brian to close out. I I just wanted to follow up with what Brian was saying is that we're dealing with a legacy of colonialism, and which what I mean by that is this country was built on genocide of Native Americans and the dehumanization of, of African peoples. Um, and the, this dehumanization is, is genocide talk. And it happened all over the world with colonialism. And, and unfortunately, it happened here in a uniquely and horrific and awful way. And we're still dealing with it today, as Brian says, and the legacy is still with us. And when he saw that policeman, you know, kneel on Mr. Floyd's uh, neck, it was like, it was like the person, it was like his humanity was taken away. He was, um, he was an animal to that policeman, it seemed like. And, and that's, that is, I mean, the pictures say that everything with that, that person's look in his eyes, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's the it's the legacy of genocide, and that's still with us. And until we can address that as humanity, until we can humanize who we are, until we realize that you know we're all more similar than unlike, right. you know, right? With phenotype versus genotype, and and that says everything. And Brian's absolutely right. Brian, some some closing comments and thoughts from you, sir. I'm just going to close out in summation of some of the things that, 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 that I said. You know, first of all, um, this current fight they're winning is not a fight between, you know, black people and the police. It's just the people versus the police departments. Um, it's a fight against the people and injustice um, and, and white supremacy and racism. Um, and, you know, if we want to kind of we're trying to move forward past this, it's not going to only take just a shift in leadership that's going to change anything, but it's going to be a shift in mindsets and a shift in perception, perception, you know, a shift in narratives. Um, we need to change education first and right. how our children are being educated that yep. we understand and we can develop an understanding of each other. And also we need to start with a validation of the very humanity of black people. Wonderful. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, 
Brian Knowles joining us from West Palm Beach and J.P. Lindstroth. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining. Discuss your truth. I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me so much. Thank you. So a little bit of technical issues there, some technical difficulties to start, start that out. But uh, we, uh, uh, we came together that, that was, uh, there were some pretty, pretty nice things addressed there, uh, wonderful contributions from uh, Brian, who, of course, uh, genetically identifies with the African-American community. Uh, and, and certainly, well, you know, look, we all are all human beings here, all of us. So there, it's, 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 it's disgusting that this is a reality in, um, in, 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 in the United States in 2020. I find it appalling, frankly. Um, and, uh, and it is what it is. So we, uh, we, we again, I think, uh, need to uh, address concerns regarding the validity, validity of this democracy. Is it a healthy democracy? How do we root out the corruption? Where is the corruption coming from? Uh, how do we move past some of these uh, race, race, gender, even the gender, gender is a major fight as well. Uh, socioeconomic uh, discrepancies. How do we get past that so that uh, everyone's voice is heard and identified? And uh, you know, hey, get out and vote. Uh, I urge you not to take sides politically. I think both parties are corrupt. Um, look at the fact that you are an American if you're in this country. If you're you're elsewhere, stand up for. Your beliefs there, but uh, in the United States, uh, stand up for being uh, an American and uh, stand up for preserving that constitution that you have inherited. Um, and uh, this has been another discussion of truth. I'll be back in a few moments with Dr. Bandy X Lee. Thank you for listening. This is Ian Hamilton Trottier. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I N T R O T T I E R. Until next discussion, folks, be awesome.